Estate Advisor Podcast. I'm Andrew Dick, an attorney with Hall Render, the largest healthcare-focused law firm in the country. Today, I am in Indianapolis at the Collier's um, office, and I am going to interview Sean Janis, who is the newly appointed National Director of Healthcare at Collier's. Sean is an industry veteran, and we thought it would be interesting to sit down with Sean to hear his story and his vision for the Collier's Healthcare platform. We'll also talk about the state of healthcare real estate and where Sean sees opportunities in the future. Sean, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. Good to be here. Sean, before we talk about your current role at Collier's, let's talk about your background. Tell us where you're from, where you went to college, and uh, what you aspired to be at a younger age. What I aspired to be. Uh, that's interesting. So actually, I grew up, I'm a, I'm a Chicago, Chicago bred, uh, born and raised in the Chicago area. I actually grew up in the far southwestern, excuse me, far south suburbs of Chicago, a town called Chicago Heights. Uh, very blue collar. Uh, the Ford stamping plant was down there, Thrall rail car. So it was, uh, again, very, very blue collar uh, area that I grew up in. Um, but I loved it down there. And it kind of, that's the foundation of kind of who I became today. So that's kind of where I'm originally from. And after you went to college, Sean, what was your what was your first job? What did you end up doing? Well, actually, college was a complicated journey for me uh, to some extent. So I, I had played football in college. I think, Andrew, we talked about this a little bit when we last saw each other. But um, So I was recruited to play play college football and you know I, I was overwhelmed by the process my parents didn't go to didn't go to college they didn't really have a perspective my high school football coach was a first-time football coach actually um, it was a great experience and it was a long way of getting to kind of where I work your question is more specifically but um, I actually signed my national letter of intent to play at Iowa State you know got enthralled with the big eight and Earl Bruce who went on the coach at Ohio State was the head coach there uh, actually broke my letter of intent. Uh, I never matriculated there. Uh, and the reason being, I continued to be recruited uh, by the Ivy Leagues at the time. So I actually matriculated to Yale for my freshman year. But just found that I didn't really fit into, into the Yale culture, if you will. Again, being blue collar, uh, kind of some of the values that I had grown up with a little bit different than what was on the East Coast. So I ended up transferring to the University of Illinois. Uh, absolutely loved it, played football there. And I always had uh, an interest in accounting, uh, like the, the fact that there were answers, you know, specific answers, you know, when you're young in your career, it kind of made some sense. Um, so I became an accounting major, got my CPA coming out of school, and that kind of led into my work experience. I actually uh, interviewed for jobs, you know, coming out of school, and took a job with, which was then, this is my age, uh, Pete Marwick and Mitchell, now KPMG, and just so happened that I got thrown on the JMB audit account. Uh, JMB, uh, for those who don't know, is one of the was one of the largest syndicators uh, in the world at that point in time. Um, so I spent nine months of the year, nine, nine and a half months of the year on the JMB audit, really got to understand real estate uh, and really had an affinity for it, really enjoyed the business and liked what it did. Interestingly, in, in the summer months when we weren't on the JMB account, I happened to get thrown into healthcare. So it kind of came full circle later in my career. I didn't obviously focus on, uh, on healthcare at that point, but started with uh, DuPage Hospital, uh, you know, way back when, Central DuPage Hospital. So that's how I got into the business, if you will. So fast forward, Sean, um, at one point you worked with Todd Lillibridge when he was starting his business and building up his MOB portfolio. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so interestingly, so I was actually in investment banking at the t uh, around that time uh, with Continental Bank in, in Chicago. And like a lot of big, big investment banks, commercial banks, um, we have training sessions, et cetera. So we're in this big auditorium theater and the gal giving the, the presentation. Uh, announced herself as Lynn Lillibridge. So I went up to her afterward and said, wait, any relationship to Todd? Well, I had gone to, to school with Todd Lillibridge and we were fraternity brothers. Turns out that was her husband. And she goes, oh my God, how do you know Todd? So Todd actually put me onto his advisory board. Uh, you 
know, during his formative years, this was when he was still a little bridge and company, I believe, uh, and he was really doing property management consulting. He actually tried to, uh, you know, bring me on board a couple times, but my background had been really on the deal side of the business, capital markets, acquisition, and development. Um, so when um, we would get together, you know, two, three times a year at the Union League Club in Chicago, just meet for coffee or breakfast, uh, kind of stayed in touch, and then when he made the strategic decision to hire Lehman Brothers, uh, when they were still around, uh, to begin the roadshow to raise the capital, uh, the first to bring that capital solution to healthcare institutions, he again approached me and said, hey, you say you love the business, you love real estate, you love healthcare, you know, I need someone now on the deal side, we don't have that capability in-house. So I was one of the, uh, the initial five senior executives who, who formed and ran uh, the first Lillibridge REIT, if you will. Uh, so initially I was in charge of acquisition, development, and the consulting practice. Um, after a couple of years, we brought someone in uh, who specifically focused on the consulting side so that I could focus on the acquisition and development because that's really where the, the meat of the organization was going. So that had to be a pretty dynamic time to be in healthcare real estate. Um, Todd's a pretty dynamic guy, built a very successful business. It sounds like you were along for the ride. And and were you there when uh, Lillibridge uh, spun out and sold some of its assets to Ventos? So actually, so I was there through the iteration of the first two REITs, uh, the mm -hmm. first REIT, which was Lillibridge Health Trust, um, actually ends up being sold to CalSTRS. Uh, we were actually, Lillibridge was owned at that point in time by Prudential, AEW, and J.P. Morgan Chase, along with management. So those are the four entities we owned, the, the REIT itself. Uh, that was sold to CalSTRS. They wanted to buy the entire entity for tax reasons and other things, and then Prudential wanted to stay in the business, um, as did obviously the management folks. We bought back the management company uh, and the development platform. Uh, and then we raised capital through Prudential and formed a, a venture at the property level with, uh, with Heitman um, for some, some of their funds. Um, yeah, so I was there really through the, and we formed the second week, which was Healthcare Lillibridge, Lillibridge Healthcare Real Estate Trust um, was the name of the second one. So I was there through the first two iterations and then actually got recruited away uh, to join JLL right at the time or right before actually the Ventas transaction. So I was right there at the cusp of when that change occurred. Okay, very interesting. Okay. So talk about that transition to JLL. Uh, big national firm, uh, what were you doing for JLL? So JLL had made, uh, I've known the, you know, folks going back to the LaSalle Partners days, which is kind of the predecessor entity uh, to JLL, and Jones Lang Wooten, and they, they merged and they kind of you know, had several iterations. Uh, but I'd known the LaSalle Partners guys having been in commercial real estate in Chicago you know, for ages. Uh, Earl Webb, uh, one of the gentlemen there, actually is, is now, he ran capital markets uh, in the Americas for JLL at the time. Uh, he's now the CEO of the Americas for Avis and Young, actually, you know, at least in the industry. We just kind of moved the pieces around a little bit. Uh, but I had known uh, Earl for a while. Uh, we got to talk, and I think it was a barbecue, if I'm not mistaken. And he had mentioned, you know, they're looking at, you know, expanding their businesses, and they either do it bringing new products and services to existing clientele, um, or they go into a new industry. And they had kind of focused on healthcare as a as an industry that which was becoming much more institutionalized, which they felt there was a lot of uh, synergy to do that. Their research group internally had come up with some white papers that made sense for that. Um, so he would bounce things off me then over the, over the course of time in terms of how they should approach the business, what was driving the industry, and they ended up um, getting that approved and to start a healthcare platform effectively. Uh, they actually hired a guy who came out of a, a different background initially. Uh, it didn't work out, and after a short period of time, Earl approached me and said, hey, would you be interested? You kind of help break this business plan, if you will, anyway. So that's when I joined JLL. So I, my, my, I really went there to basically put the entire strategy, uh, the organization together, and kind of drive a growth platform uh, for JLL across the service industry for healthcare real estate. 
Okay. And after JLL, you've, you've also worked for some other prominent healthcare real estate firms, specific medical buildings, and then I think, is it more recently, Caddis? Correct. So talk a little bit about those opportunities, and then we'll jump into uh, what's going on here at Collier's. Yeah, so um, interestingly, so my uh, Pacific Medical uh, Buildings, which is based out of San Diego, uh, probably the preeminent healthcare real estate development company in California in the western region of the country at that time and still today. Uh, when we were at Lillibridge and going back, that's kind of my first interaction with them. One of the things uh, I made the decision that we needed to rather than just grow organically on the development side of the business, we were doing, you know, we did when I was there in excess of a billion dollars of, of acquisition transactions through the course of several REITs. Um, but the development side was growing rap more and more rapidly as it went forward. And so growing it organically, uh, it was just kind of tough to keep up with the demand in the industry. So we made the strategic decision uh, to buy a developer. We actually hired John Weiner, um, another icon in the industry. Uh, John was with E&Y at the time, one of the partners there. They identified, I think it was like 98 um, distinct entities, development entities across the country. And either John, Todd, or myself talked to every one of those. Uh, my first choice was to buy Pacific Medical Buildings. Uh, we had approached them. They were maybe smart enough not to, uh, not to uh, move forward with us at the time, uh, but got to know those guys well. Uh, entering to California is always, always tough. There's a lot of different regulations there as well, but culturally everything just kind of fit with them. Uh, if that didn't work out, we ended up, uh, end of the day, buying Metaplex Medical Building uh, Corporation, MMPC, out of Plano, Texas, outside of Dallas. But long story short, when I was with JLL, one of the things I saw an opportunity uh, was to really bring some solutions into the ambulatory environment, which really was on the development side as well. So uh, approached Mark Tufaker, who is the still the CEO out at uh, Pacific Medical Buildings. We've known each other and stayed in touch all those years. And it just so happened, you know, timing being everything, they were at a point where they were strategically looking at diversifying geographically. Uh, and they were struggling with, well, we don't want to take on a bunch of overhead to start offices in other areas of the country. So. Uh, ended up we putting together a venture of JLL and PMB, um, whereby they had the expertise, the 40-year track record, you know, the pretty pictures, the capital, all those things. JLL had you know an army of folks. I had set up healthcare offices in most of the major and mid-major cities around the country. So JLL kind of became the intake valve, if you will, from a business development perspective. Uh, and then also the execution arm. So we would get our service fees, we were a service organization, they would get more product, um, you know, putting it to work and then building their portfolio. Uh, so we would, do the, we would do the zoning, we would do the project management, we would do the leasing, so kind of all those local type activities, then they would bring the capital, the oversight, and everything else. So um, that's how I ended up getting involved with PMB and then eventually um, ended up joining PMB directly. Um, effectively with the same function, so based in Chicago, and was really kind of taking their footprint, trying to expand it from the Rockies to the East Coast, if you will. Very interesting. So your last stop was Caddis. Tell us briefly about what you were doing there. Caddis yeah, is very similar, actually. Uh, I know Judd Jacobs, who is, is one is the development partner at Caddis. He's an, an old Trammell Crow guy. Uh, I actually worked at Trammell Crow in my commercial days. Uh, not that I knew Judd back then, but we'd known each other in the industry for quite some time. Um, similarly, they were actually looking to uh, expand their platform uh, geographically. Uh, they were growing in a much bigger way. Um, they haven't been around for 40 years. It's a, it's a newer firm relative to the industry, if you will. Um, it was an intriguing opportunity, really, to kind of do the same thing. So effectively, I was responsible for expanding their platform in the Midwest from a business development perspective, and then provide executive leadership for any and all projects in the Midwest. And that was, you know, there's acquisitions, there was development. They were involved in the senior housing uh, arena through their Hardest platform. Um, 
I had not been as involved in the senior senior side of the business, but it was a it was a great learning curve for me to actually bring that into into my uh, you know quiver another era if you will. And how did the opportunity with with Colliers present itself? Yeah, that's interesting. So um, as we all do as we get later in our career, you know, obviously business development relationships are always important, but particularly you know once you've been in your career for quite some time. One of the things that I, uh, I make a point of doing is reaching out to people in the industry and trying to stay in touch with them. Um, a guy by the name of Ted, Ted McKenna in Chicago. I'd known Ted for, I don't know how long, known Ted forever. So we would periodically try to get together just to kind of catch up on what was going on. Just so happened we had arranged to have coffee up in the northern suburbs of Chicago. Um, we were sitting down and it just so happened that that week it was announced that Mary Beth Kuzmanovich, um, who was my predecessor here at Collier's, and I'd known Mary Beth for 12 years, going back to when she was at Carolina's Healthcare, uh, that she had uh, left the Collier's organization and had joined the Littlebridge organization in the small world category, um, which I get into that story. But anyway, we were just kind of talking and catching up. I had mentioned asked what was going on at Mary Beth, and we were kind of talking about the strides they'd made over the last four years. And then all of a sudden, he stopped and looked at me and said, well, I know you like your job and what you're doing, but, well, you'd be perfect for this. Any interest in potentially you know, thinking about joining the Collier's team. So I said, well, love to hear more about it. It was right before BOMA, so he actually set up a, a meeting at BOMA um, with the, the internal executives who were running kind of their search process. So that was kind of in the April time frame. And then over the course of, I guess I started there in, in September. So over the course of time, um, got more and more intrigued in the opportunities and kind of what, what Collier's was about, the potential of the healthcare platform and really kind of the value add that I could bring to the organization and made the decision to to join the Collier's team. And so what, what attracted you to the Collier's platform? When I think of Collier's, I think of an international brokerage firm. They have a, uh, a great healthcare group I've worked with personally over the years and always had good experiences. So, so what really drew you into the Collier's opportunity? Um, a couple different things. Um, you know, one, obviously I had, I had built an organization very similar at JLL um, in terms of starting from scratch, if you will, and kind of building a, a healthcare capability. And they had some even at JLL had some capabilities, but we really moved that forward in a big way. Um, that has always intrigued me. Um, you know, I, I really, I love real estate. I enjoy the healthcare component of that. But one of the other things is I, I do enjoy kind of the entrepreneurial nature of growing an organization. Um, this was, the, Collier's was a bit different in that Mary Beth had been here four plus years, so she had, some, had done some of the foundational elements in terms of kind of putting their arms around a true healthcare platform. Um, so those things really intrigued me, but I would tell you the thing that kind of put it over the top uh, is just the culture of the organization. Uh, that's very, very important to me, has been since you know, going back to my, my uh, soliloquy about uh, choosing colleges and finding the right fit, if you will. Um, so that's always been important to me. So as I got to know the, the folks at the Collier's team across the country and their leadership, uh, their vision, where they were going, and just the comfort level in terms of how I could be a part of that team. So it was those things. It was the potential of the platform, where they were, where we could take it. Uh, the entrepreneurial nature and kind of just that culture. So as the newly appointed national director, um, what are some, some of your goals and objectives? So it's interesting. It's, uh, it, it Collier's, uh, it's, it's, it's set up a little bit differently than, I, than we had at, at JLL. But, so my, my role is to really kind of support, give vision, a strategy, and drive kind of the growth of the platform. Um, Collier's is regionally based organization, so the healthcare folks in the organization are based through their regional presidents, if you will. Um, so I look at my job and kind of, I put it into four buckets, if you will. Um, one of those, as we talked about, is always business development. Having been in the industry for, you know, 20 years, specifically in healthcare I'm talking about, have relationships, you know, across the country. 
Um, so I can not only introduce colliers into those relationships, ideally, to make those introductions, but can also you know, be involved in pitches to help all those various teams as they try to win business. Um, the second would be just in recruiting. I think that's, a, that's kind of the second bucket. So helping, helping the regions bring in the right type of individuals, number one, help recruit them, understanding the nuances of the healthcare environment. They understand the Collier's platform obviously better than I do at this point in time. Uh, but identifying those types of candidates, just having been in the industry for so long. The third would be you know, just the tools that they use. So kind of arming all those, all the, the brokers and the property managers and the consultants all across the country on the healthcare side, do they have the right tools? How can we organizationally support them to be successful, if you will? And then the last would be, and probably one of the most important is, is branding. Um, in any organization, obviously, you need to be branded in terms of recognition and how you're, you're, how you're perceived in the industry. Uh, I would uh, give kudos to Mary Beth Kuzmanovich because when I, I didn't really know much about Collier's Healthcare, I'd been in the business at that time, called 15 years, um, and had never really come across Collier's Healthcare in any big way. Uh, but when they did make that decision to try to have a leader come, come forward with that, Mary Beth's uh, leadership, she really did put them on the map a little bit and began that entire process. But that's a living, breathing organism, if you will. So you know, kind of that whole branding concept would be my coming forth to you. So, Sean, when I think of um, working with a firm like Collier's, there's, there's often a couple of different service lines that I think about. There's the brokerage, there's the property management, uh, sometimes there's transaction management, and then sometimes there's investment sales. Are you going to be focusing on all of those within the healthcare platform, or is there one that's going to take priority over the other? So uh, the easy answer to that, Andrew, is that actually we'll focus on uh, we'll focus on all of those and building all of those out. I think we, you know, my my, my vision is to be kind of the best in class healthcare real estate service provider in the country. Obviously, there's great competition uh, you know, with some of the other larger firms we compete with every day. We're friendly competitors with them, but I think we have the the underpinnings and the foundation to be able to do that. Having said that, uh, I mean Collier's kind of that entrepreneurial nature is you know has been historically a broker-led organization, and much to your point. So I think we will, we will first kind of work through the brokerage side of the business and how can we better grow that piece of the business. Um, but then also the other pieces you mentioned, you know, kind of the um, strategic consulting. I think that's, that's a big piece of what this industry needs. And from a real estate perspective, we can obviously bring that in a big way. Uh, you mentioned property management. I think uh, project management is another area, project program management. So I think being able to bring that solution like a lot of the big firms, you kind of have the brokerage side of the house and you also have the corporate solution side of the house. Um, so also just mirroring how those two work together. Um, I've had experience with that. Obviously, JL will have the same two type of platforms. So really looking to bring all those services to the industry. So looking forward, uh, where do you see the healthcare industry growing? We, we hear a lot about the, the retailization of healthcare mm -hmm. and the push for ambulatory care. I mean, that's been going on for years. But where do you think the industry is going? Yeah, I wish, I wish that crystal ball was clear, um, I would tell you. So it's interesting. I, I, I always tell people that, you know, one of the things that's intriguing about this industry is that it is constantly changing. And a big piece of that, obviously, is the fact that it's so reliant on, on what the government is doing. Uh, you know, the reimbursements, Medicare, Medicaid, all of those, uh, those, uh, those payees, if you will, into, into the healthcare system kind of drive that. And that changes when we have elections, and we're obviously in that cycle right now. Um, so irrespective of where you are, are on the political spectrum, it's going to bring change at some point in time. And when you have that type of change, it, it creates um, challenges in the industry. Um, but whenever you have challenges, there's an opportunity you know, to provide solutions. So I think that that really allows 
an organization who can be nimble, uh, who is strategic in their thinking to really help their clients kind of kind of look at those things. You mentioned a couple things, and I think those are those are um, probably first and foremost kind of cost and convenience right now are probably two of the larger issues which which have been um, driving healthcare decisions. You know, the healthcare revenue model for hospitals and health systems has been been under immense pressure. Um, you know, there's been shifts in the payer mix as we talked about a little bit, kind of going from the from the private to the public. You know, we've seen that that affects reimbursements in a big way for hospitals. Um, the case mix shift, you know, that there, there's a shift that's going on there as well, which has implications. And then, kind of to your last point that you mentioned in terms of the convenience and the retailization, that shift of um, site of care. You know, we've kind of gone from this 20 years ago, kind of this inpatient centric model to a much more diversified outpatient centric, you know, ambulatory centers. And whether that be larger MOBs, whether that be urgent care clinics, whether that be freestanding EDs. Uh, micro hospitals, a buzzword in the industry, which depending on which states you're in, there, there's, there's quite a bit driving that as well. So, but I think those are those are two things that are really, at this point in time right now, we have the election coming up, and then you have kind of this issue relative to costs, which everyone is dealing with, and then the convenience factor, which is really being driven by the consumer. Sean, in the past, um, there was always the discussion about on-campus versus off-campus medical office buildings. Um, at one point, investors really focused on the on-campus assets. You know, a couple years ago, there was um, a number of investors shifted their focus to looking at the off-campus assets. Um, and then there's always a discussion about cap rate spreads between on-campus and off-campus. What do you? Th what, what's your opinion on on-campus, off-campus assets? Where do you see investors going? Talk about some trends. I, I get that question all the time. I see a lot of activity on both fronts. I still see on-campus buildings being constructed. We still are working on a lot of off-campus projects. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So that that distinguishing between the the on-campus and the off-campus uh, has, has, as you mentioned, has been. Um, I don't say a point of contention, but a, a differentiator, if you will, in terms of distinguishing how investors looked at the market. When I first got into the business, uh, it was, as you said, just it was really wanted to be on campus. Then it was, well, are you near campus? And then you know, that wasn't quite off campus yet, but it was across the street, it would, but it was still around the major hospital. That has changed, changed drastically. I don't think the drivers of why investors are looking at that, not asset class, but that locational difference, why they're, um, Looking at that as a as a better investment opportunity is the fact that you know previously, you know, the off-campus location was the dock in the box. You had it was a true medical office building, you know, forty thousand square foot, two floors, you know, twenty thousand square foot floor plates, and it really was the doctor's office, if you will. We still refer to them as medical office building. It's probably a misnomer. It's just a, a, a general uh, term that's used now. They really are ambulatory care centers. So the the driving factor for investors has been that higher and higher acuity delivery of care is now happening in those locations. It's ambulatory surgery centers, it's imaging centers. Now we're moving into a whole wellness component, which is which is new to our industry, uh, you know, fairly new to our industry as well. So I think some of those factors are really what has driven investors to look at it and say, what, what are we really underwriting? Yeah, it's real estate, we're really underwriting the hospital, the provider, you know, physician group, whatever it might be. Um, and what's the driver for their business? It's really the procedural side of things and where do those occur and the fact that those higher acuities are now in a different location has just made it easier for them to underwrite that. Where do you see the most opportunities today in the healthcare real estate industry? I often get that question. I'm, I'm curious about, you know, you've been in the business for many years. Where are the opportunities? And I think you could 
you could say opportunities for colliers or you could say opportunities for really anyone developing healthcare real estate assets. It's interesting, I answer that question similarly to the question when you asked why did I come to Colliers? Um, the reason I did come here is because I do think there's so many, many opportunities in the industry currently. And I think part of that is, is what I talked about. There's so much change happening. It's happening faster, just given technology um, and, and what's going on in the industry. And consumers are much more involved in their healthcare. So I think given all of that, hospitals and health systems and physician groups, you know, through merger and acquisition activities, everything else that's occurring, um, they become overwhelmed to some extent and pretty easily. And one of the things that I think the opportunity is, is to really bring them, you know, kind of that trusted advisor. You know, some people think that's an overused term, but I actually do believe that. I think if you can bring a specific expertise, um, again, we're, we're real estate experts in healthcare, but for us to be good at what we do, we really need to understand healthcare, what's driving their industry, what's keeping them up at night. And we always say that you know, real estate will never be on the, uh, the, top, the top issue for hospital health system executives but it never used to even be on the top 10 now it's on the top 10 and it keeps going up and up and up and it may be number five on the list it may it'll probably never get higher than that uh, to use just, just kind of a, use an example because something else more relative to the healthcare. but I think the recognition of the importance of healthcare and how health excuse me importance of real estate and how real estate can from a tactical perspective, help them achieve what they're trying to do from a mission critical and strategic perspective. Uh, so I think those opportunities to really have a seat at the table and really be that trusted advisor and offer that full breadth of services that, that they may need. Sean, during your tenure in the industry, what's the biggest change that you've experienced working with healthcare providers? That's a difficult question only because you know there's so many things you could kind of pick and choose from. I guess just to pick one of those, um, you know, we talked about what happened, you know, about elections and you know, the Affordable Care Act. Given my tenure, obviously, that was a big, uh, a big uh, transformational change in our industry. Uh, even going back to the institutionalization of the class, when I first got into it, it really wasn't an institutional asset class. Um, it was kind of a it was kind of the angel investors who would look at it. Now it's an accepted, you know, the REITs and their billions of dollars of REITs out there, et cetera. Um, the shift to the ambulatory sector and kind of what's going on there. If I had to say one, and that, that most people wouldn't think that would be the main one, but maybe it's just because the, the recency of it is really this, this current shift um, in the delivery of care. And it's driven by some of the other things, obviously, we just that I just mentioned. But it's really that shift to that ambulatory environment where you went from, as we were talking about earlier, kind of this on-campus, inpatient-centric environment to really being responsive to consumers and delivering care in ambulatory settings. And that's driven, obviously, in a couple different ways. In fact, technology, um, from the wearables to uh, you know how people you know, you go to your doctor's office if you're like me or anyone else now you're going in there you feel like you're the expert you're, you know you've googled stuff and you're going to tell your doctor what you have and you know so you know the pressure on physicians and them is much greater as well but i think all of those things have really driven the need to provide not a different kind of care but a different sensitivity relative to the consumer and what that is so that whole ambulatory piece uh, irrespective of you had the affordable care act and some of these seismic shifts but i think that is a systemic change to our business that'll foundationally be there. The Affordable Care Act will it stay, will it be repealed, will it be you know tweaked. You know, that's that those things are going to change. But I think this this particular shift as it relates to controlling costs, convenience of care, that's going to be a foundational element that's going to continue. Sean, you have a, built a great reputation in the industry. Um, 
there are a lot of young folks getting into the business, whether on the brokerage side, the development side. What advice would you have for someone who's starting out in the healthcare real estate business? Well, I'll tell you, it's a great business to be in. Um, not to be repetitive, but it's, it's very dynamic. There is constant change and these challenges creating opportunities. Um, so if you're someone who wants to provide real value to to your clients, to your constituency. It's a great place to not only learn, but to make a career out of. Um, healthcare is not going away, um, you know, whether it's technology or big data or some of the other things that are now kind of transforming our industry, there's always gonna be something that, um, that creates those opportunities, if you will. Uh, the other thing I would tell young people though, um, and, and I go back to kind of when I was talking about my, my recruiting efforts a little bit, and then even how I got into, into this crazy business, is I think it's really important to pursue your passion. So if you have a passion for something, um, I absolutely love real estate. When I got exposed to it back in my Pete Marwick days and got thrown, you know, happenstance into, into real estate, and I really had a love for real estate. The one thing I always thought was missing, and here I'm a South Side blue collar, you know, Catholic boy growing up, um, wanting to give something back, and it always felt like there's, it sounds trite, I, I, I realized that in terms of kind of a, something else I could bring to the industry. And then when I got a little bit more involved in healthcare and started thinking back to that first job when I had some healthcare experience as well, there's a way to say, hey, it's not just bricks and mortar, but we're bringing a solution that kind of that helps people. Um, so for me, that was kind of the passion. It's kind of marrying the real estate side of, of things I love to do with the healthcare side, which more altruistically is kind of in my background. So um, that's just me personally, but I think importantly, if you can have a passion and uh, you know, healthcare real estate is a, is a great venue and a foundational place to build a career they can really make something. Sean, uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation and getting to know you over the um, past few days. Where can our audience learn more about you and the uh, Collier's Healthcare platform? You can obviously go to our website, but I would encourage anyone who would like to learn more just to reach out to me directly. Uh, very approachable. And um, you know, my email is, is sean.janus at Collier's. That's S-H-A-W-N.J-A-N-U-S at Collier's.com. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to me with questions, uh, thoughts, uh, et cetera, and we'd be happy to, uh, to respond to those. Thanks again, Sean. Thanks to our audience for listening to the podcast on your Apple or Android device. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave feedback for us. We also publish a newsletter called the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor. To be added to the list, please email me at adick at hallrender.com.